Hello and happy Monday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another great episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we cover topics across the Cisco portfolio to give you the insights you want and need. All right, today we have a pretty fun topic to discuss. If you've ever been at a stadium, my guess is you, my friends, have had a bit more interest in the Wi-Fi than the average spectator. And I'm going to make the assumption that you have probably tried to find the APs mounted strategically throughout the space, or maybe you've pointed them out to your friends. If this is you, you are going to love what we're getting into today. Yes, we are talking about Stadium Wi-Fi and our newest Catalyst AP. So stick around and join us as our champions and our Cisco expert dive deeper into this topic. Okay, let's get into the round of introductions. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Can Thanks you for tell having us me. More? Yeah. Can you tell us more about yourself and your role here at Cisco? Sure. So I'm Matt Swartz. I'm a distinguished engineer in the customer experience CTO office. Uh, I've been at Cisco about between 18 and 19 years, um, and I've always been in services. So across that time, um, always been kind of customer facing, um, always been deploying uh, live networks with customers. And over those years, I've become really close with our engineering team. So um, got really heavily into high density Wi-Fi and around the 2008 timeframe and have been doing it ever since. Great. Meredith, glad to have you with us today. Who are you? What do you do? Um, happy to be here as a Cisco champion representing and uh, but my full-time job is a senior consulting systems engineer with Worldwide Technology. Um, I'm a CCIE and DevNet certified, big Cisco fan, and you can reach me on my Twitter handle. It's at Mayor3DithRose, M-A-R-3-D-I-T-H-R-O-S-E. Happy to be here. Great. Shy, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Tell us about yourself. Thank you, Emily. I'm Shai <laughs> Silverman. I'm uh, not that shy, apparently. Uh, and this is an exciting episode. Uh, I'm the Director of Network Services for San Jose State University. Uh, and uh, I'm responsible for wireless and all the diverse uh, areas as well. So this is an especially uh, topic of interest for me. And my Twitter handle is Shidom, S-H-A-I-D-O-M, at Twitter. All right. Okay, Matt, kicking it back to you. Um, anything we should know before we dive into our discussion today? Um, I think this is going to be a good one. Um, like I, well, I'll start off by saying, you know, we entered uh, the high density Wi-Fi market back when, you know, the Yankee Stadium was being built, opened in 2009. We started working on 2008 um, and we've gone through a, a whole bunch of iterations in that time. Um, at that time, everything was Omnis. I think people didn't know what they didn't know. Uh, and we went through iterations of, hey, we need better antennas. And then we went through a couple of years of, hey, we need better features. And now here we are, you know, many years later, and we've we've gone back to the antenna. So we're going to talk about that today. Excellent. Um, it is a lot about the antenna. So uh, as we talk about venues, uh, I guess my question is, as we know, we've seen in a lot of the, the stadiums uh, around here, they used to do a lot of the underseat deployment for uh, access points. So can you kind of give us your perspective about the differences between uh, underseat versus an overhead methodology of design for these kind of venues? Sure. That's a great question. Uh, good one to start off with. So the, it, it's almost like a religious debate, really. Um, in the beginning, uh, there was no underseat. And then as time went on, um, we knew, you know, we were fighting things like challenging SNR scenarios where if you were too far from the AP, the noise floors, especially in the beginning where it was 2-4 only, 
So we had all these probing clients that were making the SNR really bad. Uh, and then it became obvious that you had to get closer. You had to have more signal. And so, you know, the Cisco services team, we kind of went down a different road. We, we started doing like front mount APs, like patches down towards the front facing back. We started doing things like handrail mounts um, became pretty popular. And then some other folks went under seat. Uh, the beginnings of under seat were, were even more debatable because they were actually uh, some, some other companies had put them like under concrete which I thought was super interesting because like in a survey, it looks kind of nice up on top, but it fails in most every other way that you could imagine. Um, like, you know, the AP can't hear the client that well, the APs hear each other too well. Um, so today though, I, I think under seat has, has its place, but it, to me, it's a tool in the toolbox. It's not one that you reach for every single time. Um, the reason I say that is under seat essentially relies on people being in those seats. So you'll be hard pressed to find a, an all under seat deployment that might be, let's just say half full or, or, or not at capacity, that's not suffering a little bit. Um, and especially, you know, the less people that are there, the more it's suffering because the under seat designs and really need all those bags of water, which are these humans um, to knock down that signal a little bit. And, and we've seen that a lot, um, even through COVID, right? So during COVID, um, I've been to some some of these underseat deployments, and you know Cisco has plenty of them. It just isn't my go-to design. Um, but you know, in the absence of fans, but you're still having events, and you're still having press, you'll see that the the network doesn't perform nearly as well, in my opinion, as a directional um, line of sight deployment does with less APs. Uh, is there a ratio you think that that you can kind of see uh, between overhead and underhead, or uh, so it definitely takes a lot more APs under seat. The exact ratio, I guess, would probably depend on, on the characteristics of the stadium itself. But I would say it's, it's probably close to double. Um, it's quite a bit because back to the attenuation thing, when, when you fill those seats, the signal doesn't go that far. The other thing is you don't want to have the highest power. <laughs> You're already going to struggle with, with co-channel and, and just the general utilization of all those APs, all sending beacons and per responses and things like that. So um, it's quite a bit more. I tend to think it's also um, pretty challenging on the install side, unless it's a brand new stadium. If it's, if it's something that was thought about during construction, then, you know, a lot easier. But if you're going into retro, um, an existing stadium, and you're going under seat, um, there's a lot of core drilling. There's a lot of conduit. There's a lot of things happening there. So if you take the AP from under the seat and put it up higher, how do you get the signal to the right people in the right places? And you know, what kind of antenna are we talking about now? What, what's the next generation and what are the features around that? So yeah, um, and I'll go through a little bit of an iteration here. So in the beginning, if I take it all the way back to like the 2008 timeframe, um, it became super obvious that we needed directional antenna support um, that was made for this type of environment. And then we went through and we had our first one that came out shortly, you know, a year or two later. Uh, and that one got us pretty far. And, and the, the key thing to that is, you know, you can aim these things and, and you can focus them on specific sections. And um, but but the other thing that's really key about it is you're isolating that radio from the rest of what's happening in that stadium. So it's like a flashlight. Right. Um, the light's coming out in one direction, but, you know, you're not necessarily um seeing all the light from all the other flashlights. I mean, you might see a little bit of it, but you get my point is that it, 
when it's directional like that, you got to think about the radio on the receive side as well. Um, and if you're containing your signal, you're actually isolating uh, the radios a bit. So they're not contending with all the other transmissions that are happening on the same channel. Um, and that's very important because I think everyone on this call knows or on this radio show knows that, you know, Wi-Fi is super polite. So if, if I hear somebody else talking, then there's a whole back off algorithm and I'm updating, you know, timers and I see duration IDs and uh, there's a whole series of politeness that happened there. And when you put, you know, 65 to 100,000 people in the same spot, it gets pretty hard. So um, I kind of wanted to, to give a little context, I think, here. So, I mean, we're talking about the, the, the new stereo antenna. It is a very large size antenna. It's, I think, uh, generally, uh, I mean, uh, but uh, if you look at the standard AP, it's like it looks like uh, Surface Server Six APs. It's based on the Catalyst ninety one thirty access point. But I think one of the things that's really exciting and you could talk about is the simplicity of installation. I mean, an elimination of a lot of points of failure. Exactly. So, so that's key. Where this came about was really um, a frustration of mine and and the colleagues that I work with at Cisco that were out doing this is that. You know, we came out with things like the 3800, and that became a flagship for us. Uh, and then you would see in some of these stadiums, because the 3800 had a software-defined radio, you could do dual 5 gigahertz. And we're like, oh, this is fantastic. This is game-changing. Um, the fact that we can have a single AP with a single Ethernet run that has two 5 gigahertz radios. Great. But then, you know, and it works well. Don't get me wrong. It's widely deployed today. But the frustration became on the complexity in installing that. So you have this AP, you've got two different sets of cables, you got RPTNCs coming off the front, you got a dark connector coming out the side. Um, and let's just say you're gonna use our previous stadium antenna. So now you've got all these cables, all this stuff, and then you probably, if it's outdoors, have to put that AP inside of a box. So if you think about, like the person that has to install that's probably not the same guy that designed the Wi-Fi network. It's probably, you know, one of the contractors that does the low voltage install, something like that. But this guy's loading up his lift and he's going up there and he's like, all right, I got an AP, I've got a box, I've got two antennas, I've got two mounts, and I've got, you know, all these eight cables, right? And then you're kind of hoping that he gets up there and he puts all that stuff together right and everything's clicked in right and in twist it down right and everything's tight and it's aimed in the exactly where you wanted it um, which never happens which which never well, happens yeah well <laughs> i'm definitely not going to throw some installers under the bus that might be costly to my life but um but i will say that do mistakes happen um you know yes they do and and you know there's been times where we're like well, why can't we hear this ap very well and then finally you know by the time you get a ladder big enough or a lift out there to go up and and take a look you're like oh <laughs> the antenna's barely screwed on no wonder we can't hear it so like little things like that became um super challenging so fast forward to where we're at today with the catalyst 9104 and we wanted to eliminate all these problems. We were like, it has to be easier. It just has to be. So what it is, is it's the 9130 access point embedded inside of a shell that is the antenna. And inside of that's a dark connector, right? So that's, but you don't have any opportunity to touch that. That's all inside. So all you do is you mount this one thing. You have one ethernet cable that goes into the back of this thing, does not require an enclosure, can be mounted indoors or outdoors, uh, has a, you know, um, articulating mount. Um, but where it gets really cool is some of the features. So we can we can step through those next. You want me to go ahead with them now or did you want to 
ask a question specific to the features. I mean, I mean, if you're talking about the features, I do have like kind of one one kind of uh, question that you can hopefully integrate is uh, we do have in in stadium situations, for example, a scoreboard uh, where depending on the event, you want to change its elevation. Uh, if you have a rave, you might want to hang a disco ball off of it. So uh, <laughs> this way, you don't really. I mean, talk about how advantageous this is uh, when when you have a changing environment as well. I think it's very dynamic. So that's a great point. Um, and if you look at the, the sports leagues that are out there today, particularly in the arenas, um, you know, if you go to an arena that might have NBA games as well as NHL games, as well as concerts, what you will find is that the scoreboard moves up and down to different heights based on the event that's happening. And I mean, I don't have a crystal ball to know exactly. I mean, you might have a disco ball, but I, I don't know exactly what those heights are going to be all the time. Um, but what, what people were doing in the past is that they, they would have to try to find a way to, to hit the middle ground because you can only aim the, the antenna in one spot, right? So one of the features that is in, one of the cool features that's in this new antenna is the ability to steer the beams. Um, and an even cooler feature is an ability to switch the beam size. So basically on the 9130, which is an eight by eight AP, we split that into two four by fours. So you have two four by four, five gigahertz radios. So you have a 2.4 radio and you have a, a BLE radio. So you, um, you can basically say, okay, I want these two five gigahertz radios to either be, and, and you can configure them independently. We need to be very clear about that. So there's a narrow setting, which is 25 by 25. And then there's a wide setting, which is more of a sector, which is so it's like 25 high, but like 80 wide. Um, and then there's two different ways to deploy it. You can go what we call landscape mode, which is where the antenna is wide, um, where the wide part is, you know, in landscape mode. And then if you flip it up on its head, we're calling that portrait mode. You can steer these beams, you know, so basically you can go boresight, which is straight ahead. So you could say, okay, I want the maximum density here. I'm just going to put two 25 degree beams right on top of each other, or you can steer them 10 or 20 degrees away from each other. So back to your point on the scoreboard, now we have that kind of figured out. If the scoreboard changes height, we can just steer the beam. So like if it's higher, well then we'll do 20 degrees down. If it's lower, then we'll either go boresight or 10 or 20 degrees up, it, it depends. Uh, or we'll switch the beam size into the sector and, and turn it into uh, portrait mode. But what's ultimately the point is it's it's insanely configurable and that's something that wasn't available before so it's almost like software defined beam forming or something like that right you instead of now did you have to get back on that forklift to change that or i assume you have the ability to do that uh, through software is that right exactly it's all done through software it's a i mean it's a configurable antenna so you know what you want to do is you know, we're not replacing site surveys or anything like that. What we're not saying is, hey, you don't even need the site server anymore. Just put this thing up there and figure it out later. So we're not saying that. <laughs> but what we are saying is, um, you know, for different events, you might need different types of coverage and you can adjust and change that coverage based on what you need. Um, we're going to go and do a big outdoor, you know, concert festival here in a couple of weeks. And it's it's fantastic for something like that as well because you know how do those things go you basically have to rapidly deploy you don't have months to set up for a concert you have a couple days if you're lucky sometimes one day um so we can mount these things on the stage structure we can have the poles around the vip tents 
and you know we'll get it out there generally where it needs to be and then we can we can use configuration to our advantage from that point on and and we could even adjust during the show if we needed to if we're like hey you know it's not hitting over there far enough change change should be in steering so really cool we're excited about it so they're large but it's ultimately a simpler more portable kind of event wi-fi in a box yeah and, and the thing about large we should go there, um, and I'm glad you brought that up. So you're right. It is. It's a big antenna um, with an AP built into it. However, it's not huge, right? It's not a lot bigger than our last one. It's bigger, but not crazy bigger. But the the main thing is one of the design challenges that we wanted to fix was the ability to adequately service clients from a distance, um, and. I want to spend a little time on that because one of the key things that, that was incorporated into this antenna was we spent a lot of time testing prototypes on trying to eliminate the side lobes almost totally by using really, really high-end band-specific filters, right? Um, and so we've basically done that. The, these things, if you have them up you know, side by side in a catwalk, can, they can't hear each other which is great because what we found is in our previous iterations, what we would have is a very kind of narrow beam that was hitting the spot we wanted. But because that, that same antenna had some, some side lobes up high like that, they could hear each other. And so channel utilization would go up. And then we would use really cool features like receive, start a packet threshold to kind of detune the radio. When you do that, what do you do? You also shorten your distance. And that became a problem because then we were like, well, wait a second. If you're, you, if you're turning the RXSOP knob, you're also shrinking the distance at what you can service clients. We've solved that. We've tested this heavily before releasing this. Um, and I think it kind of goes back to the early, early question that we had about under seat versus overhead. Um, I'm a firm believer in antenna, antenna technology. I, I don't, I mean, I hope I don't offend too many people by saying this, but I don't think that there's a lot of... Uh, you know, putting omnis under seats isn't that hard. Um, so, you know, you just put a lot of them under there and then you put people in there and you do a minimal amount of, uh, you know, tuning. But I, I just don't think it's that complicated. Now, it's uh, it's not complicated, but it's bloody expensive. It is. It is. So that's that's the other thing. So, like, if you think about an arena and, and now it's not that this that this AP slash antenna was made only for arenas. No, it's made for any large public venue. In fact, we, we can talk about it. It fits into a lot of different verticals as well. But but the thing about it is, is you know, you can you can do things with it that we just couldn't do before. And so the ability to service something from overhead at a distance, as opposed to all the costs that it takes to get under the seats, was a big thing for us. And and we want to make sure that the other thing is, you know, the cost of the antenna, of course, it's more than, than the other, other ones, but you have to look at the total cost of ownership. So what did it take for an AP, two antennas, two sets of cables, an enclosure, which we don't even sell. You had to go get that from somebody else. And then the actual install. How long did it take the person that was installing it to either go up on a lift or whatever to put all that stuff together? When you look at it, this is cheaper because the install is way easier. Um, all the parts put together are still cheaper than buying them separately. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of these things were design goals. And one of the big ones was being able to be long range. So in this case, size does matter. <laughs> nice one. Yes. <laughs> but but I, I yeah. think ultimately when we had these discussions about, hey, if you really want to put all these features into a single package, it's going to be large. And one of the yes. one of the responses that I had to engineering is, 
the goal of this thing is to have it mounted where you're not going to see it anyway, right? So it's going to be up on a catwalk or it's going to be up on right. an overhang or it's going to be on a pole further away than we're used to being. And so there was a lot of discussion about like, is that going to work? And there's some other people, there's some other vendors that were doing some, some sort of long range stuff, but we spent a lot of time testing this and we're, we're confident in what we've produced. Now, now to, to be clear, I mean, these are like highly directional antennas. Because uh, you said you tried to kind of kill like the, the side lobe, uh, which means that generally those APs should not hear each other. How does this impact the RRM process? Uh, RRM is a radio resource management that uh, we run on the access points for the listeners and that tunes channels and power levels and, and, and things like that. But this is assumes that the APs hear each other. Correct. RRM does rely on that. And this was another highly debated one. So happy to talk about this. Um, we decided that the performance was more important than RRM. And RRM, you know, this will probably rattle some feathers out there, but probably not in a bad way because at the same time, a lot of people complained about RRM in the beginning or in the first place, especially in high density. To, to be successful with RRM in high density, you have to basically put some, some constraints on it. If you just deploy it uh, with default settings, it's not going to work that well anyway. It was, it was never designed with a high density scenario in mind. So what you end up with is, you know, you're, you're saying, hey, uh, TPC min, TPC max, you're really putting, putting gates on. It's like going bowling and putting the rails up, right? <laughs> like you're trying to prevent throwing gutter balls with the thing. So um, when we went through this and we said, hey, you know, this is what it is. We chose performance over radio resource management. So RRM is not supported on this. I mean, typically in these kind of environments, I mean, you do want to hard set like the channels and the power levels because you don't want it to fluctuate too much uh, out of control due to interference or changes in the environment. Uh, now, now uh, I'm going to kind of go a little bit toward kind of a, a future thing a little bit, but uh, given that these are the 9130s and we have the ability to run up application hosting, uh, it looks like this also this AP also opens up a whole uh, range of possibilities in connecting uh, IoT devices, Bluetooth, uh, hosting applications uh, right at the AP that could potentially service clients? Yeah, so given that it's a 9130, everything that you would get in a regular um, 9130 is still in there. So the Bluetooth radio is there. Um, you know, there's a lot of avenues to, to leverage that. I still haven't seen... Um, a lot of, of traction there yet, but it seems like every AP that's out these days, you know, it's a requirement. So it's definitely there. Um, I guess all I'm saying is I, I'm, I'm waiting for the big use case to come out, but the capability is certainly there. Matt, when you move into an IoT environment like that, we know this is a very powerful long-range antenna. How's the receive um, capabilities when you have a smaller device that maybe doesn't have a super strong transmitter that's off at a distance? Can the antenna still receive that uh, you know, other half of the conversation? Great question. And, and this goes back to a little bit of what I, what I said earlier, but we should talk a little more deeply on it now, which is part of that, of that distance thing was our own, or not even the issue, but it was a, a product of, of being in that environment, was having to, to change the start of packet threshold because otherwise the APs were getting so busy. Now that we don't hear things from the side too well, we don't need nearly as much RXSOP, right? So we're, we're turning that knob back in the other direction, um, or, or maybe depending on your environment, you don't need it at all. 
Uh, specific to answering your question, yeah, we did a bunch of outdoor testing and indoor testing. Uh, we had a really cool facility um, with the Claire folks on the Rock Lidditz campus where they gave us, a, I think it was about a 150 or 200 foot truss with motor mounts where we were raising and lowering prototype gear, which is, sorry to geek out, but if you're a Wi-Fi person, that's about the coolest thing you could possibly do, right? With the push of a button, I'm like, all right, let's send it up to 100 feet or let's have it, let's see what it looks like at 60. Let's do it at 70. Like, where else can you do that? You can't. Um, so so big credit to those guys for for being great um, partners and, and letting us use their facility for that type of testing. Uh, where I'm going with this, though, is we did go out with, you know, all the standard devices and we tested out to um, where, where we stopped. We went beyond it. So I don't want to give it um, too far, but we tested out to 200 feet and at 200 feet. Um, we had no issues at all. Like we could, we were still hearing uh, client devices in like the neg, low neg sixties, so it was not an issue. Yeah, I mean, uh, as I was testing one, I, I have a large uh, grass area that we don't have any infrastructure with, so I put uh, access points up on the on top of a building, like second story uh, height, and mm-hmm. uh, at one hundred fifty feet, we're getting uh, on speed test still two hundred megs. Uh, on an outdoor environment so so and and this is this is what's so interesting and this isn't like to be fair to to you know other rate i I said this the other day you know the ap radio is the most sensitive radio in the room no matter what (laughs) like it's more sensitive than any laptop you're gonna find any phone you're gonna find it hears very well almost too well so that's where making it really directional, if you in size example, makes sense at a distance, really directional, because it's not hearing stuff from all over. So it's not as busy. And you can allow that received sensitivity to work in your favor and hear that client that's far away. Now, the other thing I see here is like, you know, we kind of call this a stadium antenna, but I mean, I, I see just a ton of different use cases uh for these i mean uh, i'm using it outdoors on campus where i don't have infrastructure i could do this uh, being used in uh, in warehouses uh, uh, uh even like trade shows uh i mean how, how, i mean i know we call this like a stadium antenna but uh, i think the use cases uh, are far beyond yeah that. they it really is and 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 they keep seeming to kind of unfold as we go i mean i had a call yesterday with a with a car manufacturer um, that's uh, it's a car that's not even released yet, but it really cool technology that they have. It's mind blowing kind of thing that's coming, but inside of their facility, um, you know, they have high ceilings and, and they've been having some challenges and this type of thing offers the flexibility because as things move around, you can, like I said, you can change the configuration of the antennas um, to to accommodate what they need. Uh, other things that were coming to mind were like, um, I, I have some colleagues at Cisco that do a lot in the mining space and mines are, are complicated as well. Um, you know, things, trailers are in a spot for some amount of time and then they're not there anymore. They've moved, right? And so, so being able to be long distance and service a lot of these things and to be able to steer things in case things move, uh, pretty, pretty valuable. Now I see also in the warehouse, for example, I mean, if you can touch upon, cause you can mount this in portrait or landscape mode. Uh, so I could see, for example, down in a, uh, in, in a warehouse where you can actually do, for example, landscape mode, uh, or portrait mode and to really kind of focus the beam down an aisle effect. Exactly. And that's, and that's another game changer because 
the, the fact that you have the two beams, right? So if you go in what we're calling portrait mode, so, so it's standing up tall, you have two, two different slots. They can be steered. The top one can be steered, you know, up 10 or 20 degrees and the bottom one can be steered down 10 or 20 degrees. So what you would have previous to this is if let's just say you had a, you know, like our, our last antenna, a 30 by 30. If you're mounting on the wall, shooting down the aisle of a warehouse, your best bet's to kind of shoot for the middle at that point, right? right? But the closer you get to that wall, where that where that actual antenna is, you're probably gonna start, you're gonna be in a hole because you're shooting over the head of of the the client device if you get really close to the wall. So what we could do here is we can aim one of those slots down and one of those slots out or even up. So you have or or if you wanted to go overhead, right? You could either switch it back to portrait mode and do the sector, which is super nice because it's wide but not tall. Or you could go dual five and, and kick them out 20 degrees each way and, and then just have one on each end of the aisle. So the flexibility of it is key. The fact that it doesn't, again, still doesn't need an enclosure and there's only one thing to mount. There's not a bunch of stuff to, to do. But I do like, you know, warehouses outdoor parks, you know, mining, churches, you know, higher education. That's where you're at. Um, what about your house? Of, uh, well, you know, I do have one in my house, but, but that's, but due to COVID, that's because my house is now my lab. So, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah. I mean, it might be good for the backyard area. We'll see. So at WW2, we do a lot of warehouse stuff as well for wireless. So if you have, say, a forklift that's driving around and there's some roaming involved, are there any noticeable differences between having, you know, traditional IPs and antennas kind of, you know, staggered all over the place versus having these kind of more concentrated antennas? From a roaming perspective, everything should remain the same, right? It's still a 9130 at heart. It's still going back to a 9800. Um, so everything there, I mean, what we're ultimately changing is the RF side of the equation. So as long as, you know, you're still doing, like I said earlier, like we're not trying to replace site surveys with this thing. We're not trying to, um, say, Hey, just throw these things anywhere and, and it's just going to work. Um, no, we're, we're still sticking to our guns on, we expect that if you really want a, a high performance Wi-Fi network that you're going to design and deploy it properly. But once you've done that, yeah, from, from a roaming perspective, everything would be just like you're used to. So to, thank you, Matt. Uh, to get into a, couple, a little bit, uh, I guess, uh, gears and speeds. Uh, so this has, a, I believe, a, an M gig uplink into the AP. Correct. Yep. Uh, which can go to 0.5 or up to 5, uh, five, five. gig. Five, five gig. gig. Yep. Which is awesome. Now, also, uh, what kind of PoE consumption does the AP have? Say it, again, it's same as the 9130. So you don't need UPoE unless you're using that USB port, which in this scenario, you can't get to it because <laughs> it's inside, right? So uh, PoE plus, you're good. Uh, and I, I guess, look, to, I mean, we're kind of uh, getting here toward the end of the episode, but but I was wondering if you, like, you could just quickly summarize. What do you think are like, uh, it's two questions, the top three most exciting things about this uh, this product? And then, the in your opinion, what are the top three challenges that uh, this antenna solves in uh, in Wi-Fi uh, deployment? Sure, I'll go through with the most exciting things first. So, uh, to me, the the most exciting things were easier to deploy, um, you know, and and faster to deploy. Like again, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but the the previous iteration, maybe that's why you know some of the underseat designs became so popular. 
um, was it from that aspect of, uh, you know, just getting them installed aside from, you know, core drilling and conduit and things like that, there wasn't much to it. Right. And, and getting all these antennas up there was kind of hard. So easier to deploy was a, was a very big design goal. And I think we accomplished that. The second one would be long range. We really wanted to fix that long range problem because we felt like that was hurting us pretty badly. Um, and we also felt like, you know, the workarounds for that were, were costly. So we, you know, using RX SOP, shortening the distance, we had the performance, but not the distance. So then we were filling in with handrails and other stuff, uh, and sometimes even under seat, right? Uh, and then the last one um, on the exciting things is it's software defined. It's it's so flexible, right? So so the ability to have that scoreboard that goes up and down and say, all right, we're going to deploy it in a you know hockey mode. We're going to deploy it in concert mode. Um, so just having the flexibility or, or the other thing is like, you know, oh, well, uh, the configuration out there has changed. We need to change the way that we're, we're aiming the antenna, um, but we don't need to do, we can do it all from the CLI or from the GUI. So that's great. Um, on the challenges side, the cost of deployment. Uh, think about that. Um, I'll use an arena as an example because it's easy. If you could service the entire bowl from the catwalk, I mean, as opposed to being down getting up in ceilings, getting under these seats, getting into handrails. How, how cool is that? You can get the entire bowl from the catwalk. And, and think about that. That's where, the, that's where the beam switching came in. Because if it was a fixed beam and you had two 25-degree beams, as you get to those upper-level seats, what, what happens? You're getting closer to the catwalk. So, so now you'd have to have a whole bunch of these things if, if it was a fixed configuration. Because we have the ability to change it to wide mode, you can still use the same thing. So we thought that that was really, really key. Um, reduces complexity. So the issues that we said, hey, there's install problems. Um, you know, cables aren't getting twisted down all the way. There's no chance for that. You know, like it's been eliminated. It's all internal. As long as you can, as long as that thing, uh, the Ethernet cable gets clicked in. There's not a lot of chance for, for any other kind of like RF cabling problem. Um, and then there's just simply less points of failure. That's that's the third one. I mean, it's literally an Ethernet cable is the only thing touching it. Um, and so, yeah, those were the those were the things. We, we sat down at the drawing board and um, I will tell a funny story about this antenna, which I think is funny. Uh, so if you remember uh, one of our, our former leaders, um, David Geckler, when he was at Cisco, I sat down next to him uh, and I had this idea and I said, you know, we, I really think that we need to make integrated units. And I think that we need to stop sending our customers out to buy enclosures for things that, you know, Cisco doesn't get any of that. And I'm not, there's no, like, there's nothing against any enclosure vendors, but I was like, it just seems so broken that we're like, all right, buy this from us and then go buy that from whichever your favorite vendor is. And, um, and I had this discussion with him about integrated units and he, uh, he took his phone out and he took a picture of my badge <laughs> and he said, I want to remember who you are. And I, I went out and I told my buddies after that, I was like, I am either fired for sure or, <laughs> or this is going to go somewhere. Uh, so fortunately, you know, David has, uh, moved on best of luck to him, but, uh, Hey, the antenna happened. So pretty and happy about that. And yeah, I'm still here. So hey, <laughs> when he took a picture of my badge, I was like, oh boy, this, this might not <laughs> be <started> good. Sweating. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want him to remember me. <laughs> but... Yeah. 
I, I think you bring up a really kind of cool point, though, is like, you know, you, you can really, I mean, part of the underseat, I think, was aesthetics, but I, I really want to bring out this new antenna, the ANT, it's it's a 9104, which is the, the, the formal pro, uh, product name. Uh, it's actually aesthetically pleasing as well. So even if you put it in view of people or, or in the catwalk, uh, I think you also uh, solved a very elegant aesthetics problem um, which people face, especially if you're hanging it off a scoreboard and things like that. Yeah. The the other thing, and, and this is kind of independent of the 9104, but it's one thing that, that I tried to promote in, in some of the stadium work early on, like when you would see like a handrail um, antenna, right? And I think some of the companies that do that, I, I know like Bill and, and his team at Ampthink had, had done stuff like this where they, you know, that surface area, I look at that and I, I say, hey, you could sell that, right? <laughs> like, you know, there there could be a your favorite beer sponsors logo on that, or, or or there could be the 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 team logo of whatever team plays there on that. It doesn't have to look like a, an antenna, right? Like, so I still think that way. I'm like, you can put whatever skin you want on that. And the I was just thinking that we should sell custom skins. A, yeah, AP there skins. There you go. There you go. I'm going to take a picture of your badge. I'm going to go on Shark Tank, actually, with that idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you might want to edit that part out of this episode. Then. <laughs> and, and you really got to, I mean, unless you really work in these environments, I mean, they're usually steel and concrete structures. So bringing cabling down is not a small problem. And a lot of times you have to run a, a, a piping and electrical uh, yeah. conduit. I mean, it, it, and it's, it's expensive and ugly. Uh, so, yeah, it's. You're eliminating a whole lot of deployment complexities. Uh, which and and think about, um, there's a couple things that, that I, I want to squeeze in here towards the end that, that just popped into my mind. So one of them is, I think it gets us into more markets than before, because not every not every customer is going to be a big university or, or, or um, you know, a big team, you know, budgets are different for everybody. I think if you can go and you can mount in, in cheaper, more accessible places, like think about how easy it is to run cabling in a catwalk compared to conduit under seats and all that. I think it gets you into more opportunities. You know, um, not, not every university has the same budget as an example, like some of them spend more on IT than others. Um, so if you can get into some of these, uh, these venues that have lower budgets, but you can make it work because you've made the install cheaper, uh, I think that that's a big thing. And then lastly, I do want to clarify because I've had this question a few times um, and I want to make sure we're super clear. You cannot buy just the antenna. So like if if you were saying, hey, I've got some 9130s out here with the older 2513 antenna, I'm going to buy this 9104 and retrofit it. It's not possible. It, it comes as a sealed unit with the 9130 inside of it. So super clear on that. There, there's no like field upgradable option. But, but you can tell your boss you just need the antennas and it comes with a free AP. So then you have extra APs to redeploy somewhere else. You must be in sales. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the location services, DNA spaces, uh, I mean, all the hospitality things that we do for engagement, uh, still work because this this is integrates into the 9800 feature so all those features are available. correct and, and i think we talked um a previous time about things like open roaming which are which are becoming you know i've been uh working very closely with the open roaming team um we can spend a second and talk about that like one of the things about these large public venue type environments is you know 
if you want to be successful, you really need to eliminate barriers to entry. It has to be easy, right? And and captive portals, while you know, I think we went through a whole phase there, but I think most of the Wi-Fi world doesn't like captive portals um, because they are a barrier to entry, and not every user will realize that the reason why they can't get out to the internet or get to whatever is because they haven't clicked through that portal. So open roaming has been something we've been working on a lot. We did uh, both of the the U.S. Opens for golf this year on open roaming. We're going to do uh, the big concert festival that we're doing um, in a couple of weeks with open roaming. And the beauty of it is, is you walk in and, you know, depending on which service providers we might be advertising or, or which authentication um, folks that we're going to do, but you know, they don't have to pull their phone out of their pocket. And, and the other key is it's an encrypted session. It's a dot one X authentication, right? It's not an open network anymore. Everything's encrypted. Um, so it's, it's a big change um, and fully supported. I mean, it's, that's irregardless of the antenna, but, but the, the two go hand in hand. Well, the crowd goes wild. What an amazing episode. All right, guys. Yes. Well, thank it. Thank you to everybody for listening in and joining us today. Um, if you want to learn more about what we talked about today, just click on the link provided in the description below. Uh, and just a reminder, you could subscribe to our podcast. So wherever you're listening to us, please click that subscribe or follow button now. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. See you next Monday. <laughs>